All right, guys, uh, now grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them back uh, to the book of Exodus, which is uh, kind of the chapter that we're, Exodus 12, is kind of the chapter that we're using as the springboard for our um, our communion deliberations for the next few months. And I want to read you um, Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. As you know, I'm sure, that Exodus chapter 12 is a biggie. It's a it's the mention, it's the discussion of the whole Passover. It reads like this, beginning at verse 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted with on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The grass withers. And the flower fades. The word of our God, it endures forever. Guys, I I feel almost um, duty-bound to explain this every month, but um, I I think you already know that there's a a vast measure of disagreement in in the Christian world about this sacrament. There's three views, transubstantiation, consubstantiation, and a view called the Zwinglian view, which is pretty much... Protestants' view. But um, Lutheranism has a view called consubstantiation. You know that there's different views of the meaning of this sacrament. But there's also divergences of opinion concerning the focus uh, that this sacrament is to play in the worship of God's people. There are some churches that uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper once a quarter. There are others who celebrate it every Sunday, and uh, which is kind of the trendy um, uh, fad these days to celebrate the Lord's Supper every uh, every week. We're somewhere in the middle. We we celebrate this sacrament once a month, and that's not to say that we're balanced and everybody else is out of balance. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I can tell you this, that when we do celebrate the Lord's Supper, we want to make it a focus. We don't want it to be an add-on. We don't want to tack it on at the end while people are, you know, getting their purses together and getting out the door. We want you to focus on it. Because in a lot of ways, ladies and gentlemen, your worship experience is completely dependent upon you this morning. You can't go out of here and say, well, I didn't like that because that sermon was awful. I mean, I I know you say that a lot, but uh, this morning, it's really between you and the Lord Jesus. Because we're going to bring something to you in a minute. And what you're supposed to find is fellowship and intimacy with him via these symbols. Now, let me just um, just seed your uh, your soul as we as we prepare. 
Guys, I've just read you from uh, Exodus chapter 12, as, as you know, and um, just to refresh your memory, not to insult your intelligence, but uh, I, I'm sure you realize that this scene uh, out of Exodus chapter 12 is taking place while, while Israel is still in Egypt. That's their location. They're still in Egypt here. They have not yet been set free from that cruel Egyptian bondage. But this time frame that we're talking about here, this little period of time right here, is, is one of intense excitement and high drama. Gang, things are happening uh, before Israel so big, so fast. Um, there have been nine separate plagues all inflicted upon Egypt and, and not Israel. And so all of these things are happening uh, around them. And the, the, the whole community, the whole Jewish community is buzzing with excitement. And that buzz among these people, I, I, it must have been palatable, guys. And yet none of them knew where this was heading. None of them knew how it was going to ultimately end. And so it's in chapter 12 where God takes Moses aside and begins to explain to him and give him the details concerning the final showdown. Uh, This this coup de grace. The, The thing that would ultimately be their means of deliverance, Moses is getting for the first time. Now, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. The means of their deliverance is not the death of the firstborn of Egypt. That's the penultimate cause or the penultimate means of their deliverance. The ultimate means of their deliverance is blood. The thing that would ultimately set them free is blood. Gang, if you're a Jew and and you have no blood on your doorpost that night, it doesn't matter how many Egyptian firstborn were dead because yours was dead too. Because the thing that was going to set them free was not the death of the firstborn. The thing that was going to set them free was blood. This angel, this death angel, he would not be restrained, he would not sheathe his sword unless and until he saw blood. And so Moses comes to the Jewish audiences and he begins to explain the details of this plan um, to his Jewish friends right here in Exodus 12. And the first thing that their ears latched onto was the coming of this angel, this this angel that was going to kill. And after what they had seen, these nine plagues, they were absolutely sure that Moses wasn't kidding. And so the question that comes to mind is, how do I avoid that? How do I avoid him? And then Moses explains. Here's what you do, guys. 
I want you to understand that, that God is willing to accept the blood of an unblemished lamb in the place of your firstborn. Do you understand? I know you're excited, but do you understand that God is willing to accept the blood of the of an unblemished lamb in the place of your firstborn? And if that blood is clearly displayed upon the doorpost of your home as a, as a, as evidence that a sacrifice had already taken place that that a that a substitute had already suffered if you do that then that angel will pass over your home God is demanding a life as represented by the shedding of blood. He's represent, he is demanding a substitute, a life of an unblemished lamb. And if you have done that, then you need not fear this death angel. Lightning will not strike twice. He will pass by over your home. And the lightning that had already fallen on on the, the victim of God's own choosing here is an unblemished lamb. But ladies and gentlemen, in the light of the New Testament, you and I both know that that lamb was simply pointing us to the lamb. God's chosen victim on which he pours out his wrath instead of Do you remember when you first heard that? You remember when you you first realized that God was willing to accept a substitute in your place? Do you remember do you remember realizing maybe for the first time that that my sin has been dealt with because of him? My brother and sister in Christ, one of the things that this sacrament does for us is that it gives us a chance to remember what was the means of our deliverance and who was the means of our deliverance. If you've never had that if you've never been washed in that fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, then do it now. May we pray. Our Father, I do pray that you would meet us here to remind us of the means of our deliverance.
that that one through his um, his perfect life and cruel death has become the means of our deliverance and so as we sal- as we celebrate this sacrament would you remind us of the great extremes to which you have gone so that people like us could be delivered from the cruel bondage of our sin. We glory. We glory in a message that tells us you are willing to accept the shed blood of Jesus Christ as a substitute for our sin. Meet us here. And grant new supplies of grace for each of us. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name.